Welcome back to another episode of the Extraordinary Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. We have a full triumvirate here this particular episode. To my internet left, we have Robert. Hello. And to my internet right, we have Raymond. Present and somewhat awake. Somewhat awake. Yeah, I just ingested a few gallons of caffeine to get through this, and because uh, we've got a lot to cover. Not only do we have several events from around the world and we're close by to talk about the latest action, we've got mid-table obscurity, we've got the Exterminatus rankings, but last week we teased that there was a new team league format. We had very little information. Well, as promised, they have released a whole bunch of information, and it is a lot to unpack. So, uh, Robert, <laughs> let's uh, start with... Um, what did we find out on their webpage? Well, we're all suddenly part of the NFL. We're making a football team. We're going to throw. No, 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 no. We're, we're not playing football. We're not fit for that. It is the NTL. So the National Tabletop League. And we've seen them put on stuff before. I think their very first event was the Atlanta Open, I think, is what I saw in yes. their history. So those of you who don't remember the Atlanta Open, because it was a few years ago. I want to say it was pre-COVID, maybe maybe right middle COVID. This was the large uh, event in, in Atlanta, but it, what made it stand out for everybody, it was a cash prize. And uh, it was backed by several esports people and had amazing work when it came to streaming. But uh, a lot of people were a little concerned about, do they know actually know how to run 40K? Long and short of it, I believe Nick Matavale ended up winning it, and uh, but it was a very polarizing event. A lot of people thought this would be the future of 40K. Other people thought this was the worst thing that could ever happen. Yep, it is very much a different take on. Okay, here's your here's your cash prize. Well, that's going to pull out the cheaters. Yeah, that that might be true, but no one can actually verify if it actually happened because the Atlanta Open had only ever happened once and from there we've not really heard from these guys in a long time so judging by the information that we can find one they've partnered with the ATC folks the people who use who do the big team tournaments out in like Tennessee and stuff like that that everyone likes going to. It's a great old time. More importantly, though, they're also receiving some kind of inclusion from the Art of War folks, Team USA, and also the Armor Paint, the Army Painter Company. Yeah, so this is probably the biggest thing. Is this isn't like everything else we've seen in the past, where it's somebody in the local community is trying to throw a big event. This, or this is Games Workshop or Frontline Gaming. This is almost like we talked about some of these regionalized. Several regions have grouped together and now they've got a big sponsor to help line their pockets. It's actually one of two. Army Painter is the primary vendor. We're going to talk about terrain. There's another sponsor there as well. And this is really interesting that there's this much money being thrown around and none of it belongs to GW. Yeah, some of the other noticeable, well, mentionable people that are backing it that aren't the other big sponsor are familiar names that you've probably heard across the across the internet. Pardon my stuttering, but it's like Canhammer, it's Studs and Snotlings, Tundra Tactics, like all, and the Denver Forty K Fight Club. I guess I was thinking of Studs or Scrubs, which is the show that Scarry participates on every once in a while. It's the same so. group. That's their that's their tournament. So ah, got it. Okay, so I'm not mixed up. Yep. But pe- fat, people like that, where Canhammer is a long-standing name in the UK community, I believe. I'm not that familiar with them. So oh no, Canada, 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 Canada. I'm thinking of Glasshammer. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Hey, hey, they both have hammer and they both have hammer symbols, okay? <laughs> and I haven't seen glass hammer in a while. I mainly see can hammer now. But yes, um, this is an eight-man format team event. So instead of the five-man win best three out of five kind of deal, the pairings get a lot 
deeper than that. Is what they say Indeed. on the website. Right. And that's something if you listen to not that we yeah, you know, we'll promote actually a pretty good podcast. Uh, Enter the Matrix is part of Goonhammer's podcast group. And they specialize just in teams. And you've got uh, Nathan Roberts, who we talk about a lot on this. And I forgot the other gentleman's name. I apologize. He's one for one of the more European teams. And they break down a lot of the who are the top factions per team and what their matchups look like. And they talk about the difference between if you're taking a five-man team, this is an ideal faction. But when you get to eight, you know, it's kind of like everybody picks peanut butter and jelly. Then what's your next topping? You know, it's like, oh, okay, we got to go. So this is also a big departure from the ATC format, which is always a five-man uh, team tournament. So this is um, a big commitment from a lot of people to play in these teams. And yes, it is. Um, you got to go deep. Uh, not everybody's going to bring an, everybody's going to bring an Eldar army, but that's only going to be one of eight of your weapons. So Ray, have you ever considered playing in a team tournament? <laughs> yes. Fun fact, the first tournament I ever played was a doubles. Okay, yeah, that is a rather fun start. <laughs> Someone on this podcast actually probably remembers that tournament. I do remember that tournament very much, though. It was, it was quite the... Uh, it, was inter- it was interesting on many standpoints. Actually, Ray carried our team. That other guy was terrible. I don't know what he was doing. But uh, I just remembered... Um, Pretty wonky missions. This was a dark time in, in competitive play where local TAOs used to write their own missions because there wasn't a national standard other than everybody hated the GW book missions. So, and I believe that broke the TO in our local area because people were complaining so much about his missions for that tournament that he said, fine, I will never run a tournament again. And he hasn't. He kept to his promise. And um, that's how I got suckered into running all these tournaments. <laughs> picked up the mantle from there but um yeah i remember ray with his satan dismantling multiple knights uh that was pretty cool uh i want to say we fought because ray was necrons and i was chaos space brains is that right with demon allies i only remember the demons you probably were csm but i only remember demons yeah i remember you playing demons and I remember the last the last mission was bonkers. Like we rolled the dice, and somehow only one of us could deploy, and the other one came out from reserve. But the opponent yeah. somehow could start with both his armies on the table. I was like, yeah. "What?" And of course, we were playing Dark Angels and Dark Angels and Grey Knights. Yeah, so they had everything they needed to destroy my army. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fun." So I just looked at Ray. I was like. I'm going to hold them off as long as I can. Hopefully you can win it by the time they come in from reserve. So. So when I'm scouring through the, the way they explain the format for the eight man teams, this is because I've done one team event and that was Las Vegas team tournament. And that was five man, very much like the ATC. This is utter bonkers. They actually have images on how the pairings work. <laughs> like, this is wild. Yeah. It does explain it really well in terms of how to do it. I haven't had a chance to compare it to the most recent ETC. Like, I don't remember putting two attackers down instead of one. That seems new to me, but I could just be out of touch. So I apologize if that's incorrect. <laughs> But the, so, the premise is there that you put you put forward armies and your opponents get to match up, choose their matchups. So the the other thing that catches me by surprise is it's not replacing the five man format. It's the eight man format is going to exist alongside it for a little bit because it's the five man finals are in 2020 next year and the year after that and then they officially start the eight man event in 2024 so like there's a little bit of blending and it's a qualifying thing very much like the like a actual sports playoff there's you're fighting over seeds to go into the semifinals and then up to the champ then up to the actual finals like 
this stuff is getting real, real big. <laughs> yeah. So first it's of all, let's get into. Yeah, it's it's really cool. There's and there's some interesting takes on it. Um, right off the bat, let's go with the basics. Uh, how often? Well, first of all, it starts March of next year, so March of 2024 is the first event, and there's an event every month. Uh, every month until uh, looks like June or July, excuse me, of 2025. So you've got some time. That's when the finals are. That'd be the ATC in 2025 is the finals for the event. So you and your buddies can figure out how many of these events you want to attend. Why am I saying that? Because there's definitely going to be some teams that be able to make all of them. There's going to be some folks that maybe only get to one or two, but they're all over the place. And um, unfortunately, none of them are neck of the woods. So our local teams are going to be grouped in with the Southwest region, but I'm like, I didn't see a single one of their events in the Southwest region. So I was like, yeah. So uh, looking over their entire schedule, there's a lot of stuff in Tennessee, a decent amount in Canada, some stuff in New York, um, one event in Florida, and then some in like Washington or Wisconsin or whatever else. Let me read them off just so for our listeners so they get a good idea what's going on. So the very first one in March 1st through the 3rd of 2024 will be uh, the ATC. Um, so this is the first major event. This is going to be in, come on, Dicehead Games, Cleveland, Tennessee. Next one's going to be Battle for Salvation. So right off the bat, I kind of panicked. Uh, West Nyack, New York. This has traditionally been a singles event. I don't know if this is replacing the singles event. But this has notoriously been one of the most competitive tournaments in the entire country, so I'd be curious to see if that replaces that singles event. Next event is Canhammer. This is May 4th and 5th. That's in Ontario. Uh, Ottawa, excuse me, um, Ontario's. Breath Weapon Gaming, which is just a really cool name, also in Ottawa. That will be June 21st and 23rd. And then July 20th, uh, July 13th through the 15th. Uh, this is the, the one that started it all for us here in the United States. Uh, North American Team Championships in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Brood Wars, August, uh, 20, excuse me, 16th through the 18th. I can read numbers. That's Olympia, Washington. Gateway Open, this is August 16th through the 18th. That's in St. Louis, Missouri. Away Games, this is September. Uh, this is in North Carolina. Studs and Snotlings, always a big event in Toronto. That's going to be also in September. Onslaught Gaming in November. Uh, that'll be in Tampa, Florida. The 40K Fight Club, of course, in Denver, Colorado. And then rounding up again, once again, Cleveland, Tennessee. Gamers Haven in Spokane, Washington will be in March of 2025. And Battle Salvation in White Plains, New York. Interesting, they're changing their location right across the bridge. It's not a big deal. But um, that'll be in April 2025. And finally, Can Hammer, May of 2025, also in Ottawa. The Tundra Open in Madison, Wisconsin will be your June 2025 event. Breath Weapon Gaming's back for 2025. They've already committed for also in Ottawa. And this whole thing finally wraps up. The finals will be in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And that'll be in, as I mentioned, in 2025. Yep. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. I was like, get your passports ready. So quite a few events in Canada. But yeah, I'm not seeing any, not a single one in California, very striking. Uh, not a single one in Texas, not a single one in Chicago. Those are traditionally the hot spots on this side of the Mississippi. I'm a little surprised. Yep. And here's the first grain of salt for me. So obviously these events are going to be worth a lot of points. If you go and they participate in the ITC, well, how do they rank you in this championship? They use the ELO ranking system very much like chess. Yeah, and I'm still kind of trying to wrap my my brain around that. So from looking at their webpage, they actually explain it pretty well for us people that aren't used to it when your team so not you yourself as a player but you as a team join in 
you start at a flat number of 1500 it's just an arbitrary number but that puts you in the gold ranking of the elo system and you, and when you play at tournaments if you are playing another team that's roughly in that ballpark then the games should come out pretty close together but if you're someone like let's say down in the silver tier of teams so the 1400s and you end up playing against someone who's all the way up in like the diamond tier of teams which is the 1800s and you somehow one up that team your team is going to get a humongous jolt forward into a higher ranking on the elo system so it's a i i've heard people say it's a more exact way of ranking the skill of teams rather than individual player prowess because chess does it but it doesn't make any sense to me still well, more more people than chess use it, and uh, this is this is a hot topic for me. Um, right, you probably had to, you, I don't know if you remember back years, and our longtime listeners remember there was a a long time that was pre Robert that we went back and forth on the Elo system, and actually at one point ranked. Uh, we were halfway through the ITC season, and they went back and re ranked the players based on Elo, and uh, the way yeah way Robert explains is about right. So the situation it runs into, let's say I'll take. Personal example. Not the last time I went to LVO, but I think the second to last time I went. First round pairing, Mike Porter, currently number one in the ITC. Uh, am I expected to lose? Yes, I'm expected to lose. However, no matter how close the score came, I ended up with a loss. Big deal. In an ELO system, if I can keep it close, Mike actually would get almost no points for beating me because he should have smashed me. And in which case, even though I kept it close, my ELO ranking would go up higher because like, wow, Aaron can hang with the big dogs. It didn't last long, trust me. Uh, the very next game, I think I did something stupid. I was like, oh, great, I'm 0-2. I'm off to a good start this year. Um, so to give you an idea of the way it's supposed to. And if why they're doing ELO makes a little bit of sense. This is very similar to the problem we have in the United States here when it comes to like, college football. The teams on the East Coast, uh, specifically in the, the northern states like Georgia. That's for you, Robert. <laughs> okay, okay, you got me. <laughs> so your, your Auburns, your uh, Alabamas, uh, your um, SEC uh, conference. The reason why, I'm getting off tangent here, those teams rarely play the West Coast teams. Uh, or the, So who's better? So you have people like, well, I watch the games, and they, they have a, a poll uh, among coaches. But they eventually went to an ELO system based on that. And what happens sometimes is when East meets West, lo and behold, the formula doesn't hold true. Same problem we have here. So we talked about, hey, there's a tournament every month. How many tournaments are you as a team going to get to? So when you show up at that team, maybe this is your month where you show up and you go, cool, we're here. Who am I playing against? And you find out it's kind of a, a weaker pool. You know, it's not the strongest teams in the world. So maybe Art of War just cruises to the top with one arm tied behind their back. What happens to everybody else? Well, the good news is if they play Art of War pretty tight, then maybe they'll get some extra bonus points. Whereas, like I mentioned, uh, Battle of Starvation is normally a shark tank. Finishing in the middle of the pack at that particular tournament will get you a ton of points because you're playing against eight or nine awesome teams. So it's supposed to balance it out that uh, if you're playing tougher opponents and playing tougher opponents well, a loss actually gets you some points as opposed to just you lose. That's where it's mm -hmm. supposed to work. They say in here, um, which is true, ELO makes a lot more sense when you have more data. Well, most statistics work better when you have more data. So they have this weird fast track system, which I'm still, to be honest with you, trying to wrap my head around how that's going to work. So I'm a little concerned about that. But um, I think it's an interesting way of doing things as opposed to you have to play a minimum number of games. And if your team can't show up at least 12 times a year, then I'm uh, sorry, you're out. Yeah, that's... And also organizing eight people 
to go all the time is very, very hard. Yes. But the the groups that do it are extremely committed. Yeah. And that's something where if you're trying to, if you're thinking about doing this at home, my suggestion is find 12 people that want to do this. So hopefully Mm -hmm. from that pool of 12 players, you can get eight of you to go two or three times. Yep. Like I know I liked playing up in Denver when I went for the Rocky mountain open for the the singles event up there in the winter. It's going to be even colder. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it was already really cold in March, but the, so that's not too hard of a drive or too hard of a flight especially if you can get enough people to organize. But again, that's the problem. You need to organize eight people schedules and blah, 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 blah. And the list goes on of all the difficulties. Do I potentially see more fun with eight people? Yeah. Because you and seven of your buddies get to go, go, go roll dice in some place and be stupid. Yeah. So what are you playing for? Just a quick run through of the championships, by the way. The finals will consist of 20 teams. The winners of each event will qualify for the finals. So as you mentioned, there were 16. That's Wow, that sounds very familiar. The winners automatically qualify. What, what other ranking system uses that? Hmm. Uh, the winner of each event will qualify for the finals. If the winning team has already won, then it will go to the next team. That, I thought, was unique. I have not seen that before. So... It, there's a still a push to go for a come in second, come in third. You can still qualify. So right off the bat, we know there's 15 events leading up to this. They're the first 15 out of 20 spots will be taken by the winners of those events. The Champions Cup will have uh, the qualified spot. Uh, so I'm assuming that's the guy who won that particular cup. The remaining spots will be invited from the top of the standings. So if you keep doing well, but you never won an event, you can move into the final to fill out the last 20. Hmm, sounds very familiar. Each uh, player on the winning team will win a, uh, they show you a, a ring. It's very sports-like and very gaudy. So, okay, great. And then when you get to the championships, you're going to be placed into pools. So this down's going to feel like very WTC, very World Cup soccer. Four groups of five teams, and every team will play four rounds. That means you're playing everybody in your group once. The winner from each bracket goes on to a final four, and there are two rounds between those final four to determine the winner. That's steep competition. That is pretty cool. Uh-huh. It's also a lot of 40K. <laughs> <laughs> that is wow. Yeah, because you're guaranteed a four person event, and then if you win, you've got, and you're looking at a six round event. Yep. And it's this is very exciting to read very exciting to look at but oh man someone in each group is going to go oh and four or oh and five or whatever and it's like bro i had a blast but you lost all of your games yeah but we got to play eight games off 40k all at once who can't brag about that so, well, and with the team, with the team event, that's kind of one of those things too. Is there are going to be people who they're not necessarily going to be set to win. The whole mm-hmm. idea is to keep the opponent from getting points. Yeah, even if it's a loss, it's about keeping the points down. Absolutely, that's usually that put forward player. So, good point, Ray. Yep. I mean, honestly, I'm just in it for the time of like, hey, Eric, you doing okay? No, keep trying, buddy. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned okay, the eight players. Because a lot of teams have coaches as well, and that's their job. They think, oh, how's it going? I'm like, uh, I got my butt kicked. Well, I need we need at least eight points out of this game to to uh, <laughs> move on to the next round. All right, all right, okay, I'll figure it out. So all that fun. Um, so we have this team circuit. We have this team league. Effectively, what it is. We have the ITC, and then we have the WCW format. Yes. Is anybody starting to feel like it's 90s wrestling? Getting there. There's a lot of <laughs> boxing, too. 
One more thing, uh, which is interesting. I just want to remind, uh, what about the uh, terrain? Are they using WTC terrain? Are they doing, well, interesting enough, they're doing a conglomerate. They are using all four of the GW terrain layouts, and apparently Art of War came up with three more, which are slight variants of the GW terrain, and uh, they're pretty close if you changes in which uh, terrain, which ruins are in which spot. But the very interesting part is, as I mentioned, there's a big sponsor with Army Painter, but the other just below them is this terrain company. They actually are making all the terrain 3D printed for this event. And um, if you would like a kit to practice that on home, they are selling them for a mere $310. <laughs> the reason why I bring that up is... Uh, that's twenty dollars cheaper than G, uh, FLG's latest. Yep, it's very diverse things because I remember at the Atlanta. Yes, that's the, aside from the cash prize at the Atlanta Open. The reason why it was a big deal is because they sold mats with pre-marked terrain layouts. So it was this building goes here, this building goes here, and it the mat looked terrible. But because it had pre-marked areas of terrain, it was easy to know exactly where the terrain was supposed to be if it got bumped. Yeah, it was definitely not stylish. It definitely wasn't like you know the Arctic uh, or forest moon or something like that. It looked like you know in elementary school when your high school gym is trying to show has the lines for four different sports. You know, the black lines for basketball, the red lines are for volleyball, and who knows what the old green lines were for. But it was very functional because you're like, that's where the terrain goes. They actually had a terrain kit uh, of MDF, so you could buy it in three different levels of detail. And the cheap ones were actually quite nice and um, very similar to what they're doing here. So I'm like, okay, neat. All right, we can play on your your table and get an idea what to expect before we get there. Yep. I, I know for me with the investing in terrain, I don't think I have enough space for another set of terrain because that would require another tub. Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat. I'm starting to look at my old stuff and going, this needs to go. I'm running out of space as well. So, but the other thing I love doing is, um, I think it was about two months ago, we were talking about will tournaments adopt the GW terrain layouts? It seems like they will. So that seems to be the growing trend right now. And yep. And I can touch on that a little bit more after we run through the other events that we have this weekend that are all singles format, which you guys are used to hearing us ramble on about. Absolutely. So I'm going to let's wrap this topic up real quick. So that more to come. Uh, we don't know much more about how this, and this is kind of cover the, the broad strokes of this particular circuit. Um, it's been talked about on every other podcast. We're also bringing it up as well. This team tournament, the new future of competitive 40K. Well, if it's not the future of competitive 40K, it's definitely going to be a part of the pie, like a major part of the pie. Well, I mean, team events are pretty popular outside the United States. I really feel like it's one way or another. It's only a matter of time before they really pick up in popularity here. It's a good point, right? Supposedly in France, uh, every tournament is just a, every single tournament is basically an audition to get onto the team, the national team. And then once you're on the national team, you do like a team circuit from there moving forward. Uh, Poland has a lot more team events. And they're, they're the reigning champions right now. So, yeah, it's, and a lot of people say a lot of the things that are what's wrong with the meta is cured by team events. So, so if you, you've got the overpowered army that has few counters, well, guess what? In the team format, they have to bring that counter because you know you're, you're going to bring the overpowered mess. So hope you don't get paired into that. So it is a bit of a better, um, more balancing act without as much reliance on Games Workshop trying to get the point values right. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing is uh, Robert brought it up key, key point earlier. How do you organize eight of your friends to do this on a regular basis? it's if clubs in our local area i know smite club is already a big proponent of team events so they have a little leg up on most folks here if you want to start trying to do team tournaments you have to find 
a decent amount of people and go, all right, who has what army? What armies can we practice against? And who wants to bite the bullet of buying the hype train army? <laughs> so, and also, I think, Ray, you hit on the other head. Uh, like any other team, there are certain positions. Not everybody can be the star. And there's sometimes some players are going to be in that role where I'm the put forward army, which means you have to take on the, the toughest army that the other team is putting forward. You don't choose your matchup. But your goal is, I, I probably won't win too many games, but I want to make sure I can, I don't lose, I don't get tabled. So I keep the game close and rob them of points. And if you somehow win, that's kind of a bonus. It's a kind of a bonus, indeed. So I, I find this very interesting, um, exciting, uh, just a lot going on here. All of a sudden, I'm just wondering... You know, what does this look like midway through? You know, when does it... That's It's right around the corner. So it's a very interestingly timed because you've got basically six weeks after LVO to get your army ready to go and compete. Yep. I think I'm definitely going to miss out on it this year because I know I want to try and go to... Gen Con and hit up at least one U.S. Open event, so that way I can be like, yeah, no, this ain't so bad. Yeah, there's a couple... Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, too. It's the U.S. Open was still on my checklist of events to attend, so I'm curious to see. So, uh, Ray, what are your thoughts? Because it's been a while since you've been out of, out of the state for a tournament. I would love to be able to do something like this. thing is... Nothing's really close, and yeah, that tends to be tricky. I mean, any anybody who goes far for tournaments knows that there there's two things that makes things tricky. One, your army surviving the plane flight, because that's a thing. Uh, second, your army making it to your destination. There, there's a funny story attached to that with um with our friend don they they went to atc with don and a couple of the other smite club guys and i think it was like in the middle of a like a hurricane or a bad storm or something and they got lost and they ended up at a graveyard (laughs) some some weird story if don can ever come back on because i know he has a kiddo um he could probably tell the story (laughs) There's plenty of. I remember um, Neil going to a tournament in Indianapolis, and I guess he was playing Necrons, and all 15 of his wraiths were damaged. So he literally had all the parts in the sink of the bathroom so his teammates could sleep, trying to reassemble 15 wraiths from random damaged parts. So trying to figure that out. (laughs) That's outright Uh, terrible. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I really think about is like, um, yeah, if I'm flying, sorry, I'm not bringing my in-card. <laughs> I know it's the most, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful models in the game right now, but it's not going to survive the flight. Nope, no way. So, Unless you carry it in your lap. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, Jeff Robertson used to do, but then again, he played the stoves, so you know, all eight of his models fit, you know. <laughs> but he used to carry them, like as a, literally put them on his lap and carry his army that way. But I am actually looking at, um, you know, possibly through some of our sponsors, a smaller bag that would fit for air travel. But just in general, just I have this gargantuan bag and it's very uh, cumbersome for traveling. So now I'm like, I might want to slim it down, especially now the 10th edition armies are a bit on the smaller side. So, But part of that, too, comes down to your list. Yeah, it's interesting. It's actually a big change I'm making with my list uh, of recent note. So... Um, uh, hopefully I'll be able to make that change in time for the RTT this weekend. So, <laughs> Yep, we all know it. Eric's going to be crazy. He's going to bring three Tantalus and a Warlord, and he's going to be fine. Um, Close. Close. <laughs> now, we'll see what happens. But, uh, might be bringing so, an, old, an old favorite unit back, back to life. So, so two Tantalus? 
uh, Rave remembers what I was known for in uh, sixth edition on the crazy formation rules. So, anyway, um, you you were known for having your reavers disappear because of morale. That <laughs> that's true. I was known for that. Those damn rules. But uh, the other half of my army was uh, big and chunky. So, <laughs> and they're actually pretty good. At no, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. So, anyway, that's in the future. Let's talk about this past weekend. We've had quite a few events this weekend. Indeed, we did. So, I'll take it off on the first one. E, me, my, mo. We're going to go for the Volkite GT. That was out in blah, 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 Santa Rosa, California. Mm. With a nice, healthy 40 players. Woohoo! Way to go, them. So, the top five very much are something. Along the lines of Brian Leva with Eldar. Fourth place is Taylor Davis with World Eaters. And third place is Owen Basil with Blood Angels. Second place is Adam Dye with Chaos Space Marines. And in first place is Scott Toby. I hope it's Toby. If it's Tobe, then I said it wrong. With Death Guard. Death Guard? Death Guard. Death Guard. Winning an event? Yes. But the internet told me that's not possible. Well, I th- looking at his scores, he dropped one, two, three, eight, uh, nine. He dropped twenty-four points out of the entire event. Wow! I have no idea how people do that. So, but again, I don't score. My army doesn't score a lot of points. So. So I'm actually curious what this guy... Hey, 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 Mortarian. There. Don't like you. You're big and you're mean. You're smelly. (laughs) And then he has a massive brick of plague marines, a single rhino, some cultists, one, two, three bloat drones, two, four, two, four blight haulers, three crawlers, and one nurgling and a brigand. A war dog brigand. Interesting. One? One. Okay. Well, the war dog, the brigands are now 160 points, so they're hard to squeeze in there. Interesting, interesting. It's very different from Donsles, which is all the fast stuff. It's all vehicles. So it's kind of simulating. It sounds almost like a Necron list where he's replacing the Lich Guard block with a Death Guard, uh, the uh, the big infantry block that he has there, I can't remember. Top head, what is so the plague marine? Plague marine, thank you. Yeah. So his list is very much what I see people try to do all the time. It is just redundancy because each of the bloat drones is the same. They each have a flesh mower. The blight haulers come in one kit. He has entropy cannons on all the plague crawlers, and then mortarian is mortarian. Like there's not a whole lot of creativity he has to worry about outside of maybe the brigand being able to move and touch things. And then the nerglings are just annoying. So yeah, it is just death guard equals brute force. <laughs> Very cool. Very interesting. That's to see, you know, like I said, the internet tells me that this, this is an army that shouldn't be winning, so it's kind of cool. All right, so someone else can take the next one. Woo! Larry, which one do you want? Ah, uh, to Mid Missouri. Mid Missouri Maelstrom. What's our top five look like there? All right. In fifth place, we had Danny Sandman's playing Adeptus Sororitas. Fourth was Kyle McCord playing Astro Militarum. Third. Jake Harris playing Tyranids. Second, Ryan Verbeck playing High Fleet Kraken, Tyranids. And in first, Kyle Lamperez playing Dark Angels. Seeing a lot of Dark Angels this week. Checking real quick. His uh, Dark Angels were in the Ironstorm Spearhead Detachment. It sounds like the, the list that showed so, up at the WTC and continuing to spring to singles level. 
Yeah. So for those of you at home, it's double tech marine Azrael. One massive brick of assault intercessors. <laughs> like I don't know why you have ten of them, but okay. Some normal intercessors, double ballistas, double lancer, double inceptor squad, a redeemer and double redemptor, a land raider redeemer and double redemptor dreadnoughts. Like again, the, this has gone back to hey, I'm gonna brute force my way through everything. <laughs> Jeez. That's just a lot of firepower out of that unit. I'm surprised you didn't bring the speeders, though. Yeah, it's, you hear that a lot, um, just to get the small secondaries here and there. But, you know, Ray was the pioneer of this. They're stealing your, your show here, Ray. Um, a lot of them are now taking fixed, so they can stick more into the brutality section and just go for bring it down or assassinate or whatever they need to kill. Very much the mantra of, they can't play the game if they're dead. Yep, very much so. <laughs> so I'd be curious to see how that all just shakes out. And uh, It's one thing we haven't heard is, you know, January 1st, are we getting a new mission set like we've always had? I kind of hope that we don't. I'd like to stick with this, hope. this particular pack a little while longer. Yeah, me too. With the exception of one... Um, there's one mission I think just needs to go the way of the dodo. I'm going to say the ritual. I was going to say servo skulls, but anyway. Servo skulls. Yeah, yeah. Both of those are big contenders for going the way of the dodo. Servo skulls, it's not a terrible mission. I just don't know if it has a place in competitive play. It feels like a narrative event. Yeah. I also kind of feel the same way about the ritual because with everything becoming more brutal, oh, hey, I'm just going to literally wipe you out in two turns and I'm going to spawn a whole bunch of objectives and bump, 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 bump. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I still haven't figured out what's the right number of objectives to spawn on that mission to win. Is it best to. That just needs a clarification. One clarification, and I think it's fine. Servo Skulls is just a mess. <laughs> yep, moving objectives and yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, friend of the show Tony Tavo has uh, he's playing Harlequins again. And I was like, what? Pure Harlequins? So he's still using the Aldari decks. What does his list look like? Came in tenth at this event. Oh, oh at Midmo. Yep. Um, Mini Mo. All right, we got a Death Jester with uh, Fate's Messenger. Another Death Jester, a Shadow Spear, a Shadow Seer, excuse me, Solitaire, Troop Master, one, two, three, four, four uh, troops numbering in what appears to be five bands, mm-hmm. four Star Weavers, all with the Shuriken Cannons, one, two, three, three Sky Weavers, uh, Four man units. Oh, thank you. And three Void Weavers with the Prismatic Cannons. Hey, I think that had I, two weapon options. It's been a while since yeah. I looked at that. Yeah, the other is the Haywire Cannon. So, yeah, the Prismatic gives you a range. You have know, the, uh, I want to think it tops out of strength 14, might be 12. So you can go monster hunting, or you need, if you need blast, you've got blast. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I saw that there was 12 bikes in there, I had a little moment of, ah! Because <laughs> oh, I remember yeah. the first time I played against Harlequins with Necrons, and they went, yeah, your Doomsday Arc, um, here, take 24 Mortal Wounds. <laughs> and I just went, what? Mm. Gotta love Haywire. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> forgot who I did that to. Is there um one of their knights, they're just like, we've got one of these fancy forge old ones. I'm like, I don't like those. I'm going to kill it now. <laughs> oh, I mean, you've done it to one or two of my knights for the last time we played with that matchup there, Eric. Yeah, I need to do it at least five or six to even win the game. So, <laughs> and, Yeah, you're not wrong. So from there, I think we're going to probably hop on over to Utah, where things Utah. are light. Yep, the lightly salted stuff. Oh, tell me about that. So, 
top five. Oh man, there he is. The old gentle orc himself, Rich Kilton. He's back with his orcs, baby. He is. And then fourth place, we have Derek Holder with Custodes. This event is making me happy right now. (laughs) In third place is Marshall Peterson with orcs. And then second place is Colin K with Chaos Space Marines because they're Red Corsairs. And in first place is Evan Stump with Space Wolves. Wow, he dropped the knights. Interesting. Okay. The the thing that gets me is this event ended with Evan and Colin in a tie. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was, it must have been a brutal game or something because they both only got to fifty three points. This is one of those matchups where I wish I could actually see the breakdown of the points on a turn by turn basis. Me too. Yeah. That's that's wild. So I'm going to guess right now that Evan's list is the super fast attachment of Space Marines. Nope, I was wrong. Okay. It is, in fact, the Gladius Task Force. So. Interesting. It's still a, it's still a very good, well-rounded detachment. Yeah, no, it is. I just kept, like, every ever since that detachment got, for, like, mounted combatants got released... That's all I ever really hear about. I was like, oh, yeah, no, it works better in Space Wolves than with, than with White Scars. And I'm like, okay, that's whatever. Because um, so that's one of my favorites mounted units. And that's all there. Yeah. yeah. Thunderwolf yeah. Cab gets all these bonuses. Yep. So, Biologus, Termi Captain, Super Sneaky Lieutenant, Wolfguard Battle Leader, Terminator, Wolfguard Battle Leader, some Aggressors, some Fenrisian Wolves. 30 points for five bodies. That's not a bad trade. Uh, triple Gladiator Lancer. <laughs> Ow. And two Inceptor squads, two Scout squads, a Terminator Brick, a Whirlwind, and a Calidus Assassin. Gotta have a Whirlwind. <sighs> well, that is an efficient list if I ever saw one. Holy but jonkers. <laughs> It's making me make up words, guys. That's bad. Th- that's a bad time. <laughs> a clicking noise. This Ray trying to see how much how much are space wolves these days. <laughs> What's available online? But no, it, it, that's so that's so happy for me to see that this game was so close that it came down to literally what their old scores were. Yeah, and their scores were back and forth within five first round within it six second round ten in round three five in round four and then they tie like that there's no closer chase than that yeah it's pretty like i think right hand on the head i would love to have either seen the scorecard or just hopefully stream somewhere we can watch the game that'd be really cool to see mm-hmm. something that close because obviously they were close all weekend long to get that point but yes, congratulations to all the players there at the Letly Salted. That was a heck of a run. So, where are we hopping next to, guys? I think the next one is Flames of Autumn uh, 2023. Uh, this one is located in Westminster, Maryland. Uh, been there many times. And I uh, miss it much because I did not know. I probably ate there and didn't realize it. But... Uh, Two of the more prolific chefs from Top Chef have a restaurant there, and I didn't know it. So now I'm like, oh, we could have gone there before it became famous because I'm sure you can't get a reservation there anymore. <laughs> but we're talking about 40K, not food. And uh, the top five looks something like this. Uh, in fifth place with Chaos Space Marines is Benjamin Malark. Matt Shukman, the Suriani specialist of the East Coast, comes in fourth. Tyler Principio, I can never get his last name right. I'm sorry. Principio. Principio with Alpha Legion. See, he does that on purpose. Alpha Legion are messing up my mic. I actually said it right the first time. Jeffy Kalodner comes in second, telling people, U.S. Open was not a fluke. I am a contender, and you will respect me, as I did it again with Sisters coming in second in this event. And Mark Hurdle from Team Battle Brothers ends up winning the event with Adeptus Astartes. Some other notables that finished outside the top five. We got Matt Laura with Necrons coming in seventh. Sasha Edelkraut with Imperial Fists coming in eighth. When was the last time you heard of anybody playing Imperial Fist? That's pretty cool. 
And then last but not least, Andrew Gagno, uh, currently on Art of War. He's uh, your former Captain America with Tau Empire in 13th. And the the last, outside of Matt Shookman, the only other Eldar is in sixth place. So Eldar is still a boogeyman, but they're not holding on to it as tight as they used to. Which we'll see in our next event, actually. Yep. So we're going to hop on to the California Cup. Woot, woot. This was a big event. A lot of partnership between the Xenos Penning Zoo team as well as the stat check team coming over from uh, various parts of Europe, as well as here in the United States to attend. And um, top five looks something like this. Yep. Why do you do it? Why do you want it? I, I got it, Eric. Awesome. <laughs> so we got Arthur two with word bearers. So gas Space Marines in fourth place is Brad Chester bringing the dark angels. Third place is Ennis Wilson with cast Space Marines. Second place is Alex Spathopolis with Dark Angels. And first place is Anthony Vanilla bringing world leaders. We went chaos, loyal, chaos, loyal, chaos. That's a happy, nice little bump there. So I think the funny part is is both Brad Chester and Alex's list. Alex actually beat Ennis in the uh, playoff after the uh, final cut. And that's actually the list Ennis brought to ETC. <laughs> so he got beaten down by his own list, which is pretty funny. Uh, Anthony Vanilla, uh, yeah, 100, 100, 100, 89, 100, 100, 100, 74, 76. He ended up beating Alex 76, 70 in the finals. Uh, pretty impressive run there. Uh, other notables, uh, Daniel Red Chase with uh, Death Guard coming in ninth, Logan Heath with Aldari in 10th, and uh, Spike Club legend uh, Ben Jurek coming in 12th. Uh, with Aldari and talk about is the boogeyman dead? Well, he lost a hundred to twenty six to Anthony Vanilla. So, oof, uh, maybe world eaters are a strong counter to Aldari, or maybe they figured something out. Don't know. And uh, Nick Vadivadi coming in thirteenth place with gas base friends. Yep. So the meta is definitely shaken up by a lot. I mean, it's turning into chaos space marines is the as a top army again, orcs is creeping up there with people like Tyler Russo coming in 11th and Eldar are still, still really, really strong. And then the fourth slot is kind of a, kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, it definitely falls off pretty quick. So in terms of who that next, I think that's one of the reasons why they went with eight teams as opposed to five teams. When we talked about the team tournament earlier, it's, it's really easy to find out who the top three or four armies are. It's the, Five through eight, you really need some skill, the pilot, to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Otherwise, that's that's the entirety of it. Like, there's there were a, a bunch of large events that happened across seas, but we were not able to cover those because we probably couldn't read their last names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely check out the uh, in Spain. There was one there as well. Uh, the the GT Talavaria, lots of top, top talent there. We've added them to our Exterminatus rankings, so you'll be getting full credit there. But real quick, what about those of us who uh, languish among the mid-tables? That's right, mid-table obscurity is updated for this week. So this is based on results since these Codex Space Marines have come out. And there has been a shakeup since our last show. It is a three-way tie, but uh, narrowing out is the most popular army at the mid-tables is indeed Space Marines now. Uh, Space Marines followed by Eldari and Chaos Space Marines very close uh, altogether at 8% of the meta. The interesting thing, though, is Space Marines have only had one uh, tournament win, whereas Eldari had two, and Chaos Space Marines are the boogeyman with four right now. So that is the key three that you really need to focus in on. Tyranids are right behind them at 7%, holding steady. Necron's taking a bit of a double uh, tumble, excuse me, at 6%, Chaos Knights, uh, Death Guard, and Tau Empire, along with Astro Militarum, still hanging in there at 5%. Um, very interesting that Astro Militarum are still this prevalent in the mid-tables. They only have one tournament win, and I fortunately already dis- disconnected. Uh, 4-0 start, Astro Militarum actually do that quite well, 9% of the time, so... Very interesting. World Eater is up there at 14%, 4 no start. Chaos Space Marines, though, are the new Alpha Predator, though, at 16%. 
four and zero start with four tournament wins since the Cooks, uh, the Space Marines has come out. So there you go. Be prepared for power armor if you're in the mid tables. I'll try to be, I guess. <laughs> with all that tournament action, absolutely, this will shake up the extreme novice rankings at this point. So we're going to focus on the both. We have the contender bracket and the champions bracket. The contender bracket, these are the top-ranked players who have yet to win a tournament so far this season. Uh, there is a five-way tie between Joel Davis. Hang on, i got to make this a little bigger so I can actually read it like a teleprompter. <laughs> Here we go. So between Zach Cabot, Ryan Verbeck, Nick Jaglio, and Nathan Princey, as well as Joel Davis, all at 10 points. Sean Reynolds, who we just spoke about, he came in sixth with Eldar. He gave him that extra point. Uh, moves him into fourth in the contender bracket. Eric Tatt remains in third. Cody Giroux at second. And then Brad Chester with 20 points is still the leader of the contender bracket. However, the winner's bracket has expanded greatly, and this may push out some players from that contender bracket into the finals. Brett Simon holding at 10 points. Arthur, too, had a strong performance this weekend. At 11, tied with Josh Roberts. Colin Kay, also a strong performance this week with 12 points. Then we get into the top five. Stephen Crawley. Mark Hurdle, who won the event this weekend, um, Matthew Burgoon, Tim Dietlefs, Steve Trimble, Matt Cherwin, excuse me, Ben Cherwin, and then, of course, still on top with 27 points, a nine, yes, nine-point lead over Ben Cherwin. Ben Jurek still leading the rankings at this point. That is a really big shakeup. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So we actually have 11 players now in the champions bracket, so starting to fill out that pretty quickly. So, so for you two, do you have any choice events that you want to try and go to next year? Hmm. I do. Quite a few, actually. Well, then the Exterminatus does that event? I think it'll be fun. Uh, I think the first thing I definitely want to get to a GW event. And um, just to see what it's like, what the, the pageantry, the feel, the vibe. Um, I've been to Nova enough times, so I'm kind of expecting that. And I did have a great time playing at Nova. I, the funny part is I've been to Nova six times, but I've only played once. Because <laughs> I was always a contributor or running seminars and stuff like that. So it would be kind of nice just to hang out and play. I think that'll be a lot of fun. There are some of the Texas events that Robert, you spoke very highly of that I think would like to attend as well. And um, as well as one of the South Carolina, uh, South Carolina ones, South California ones, uh, whether it be Battle of Los Angeles or um, SoCal, but I'm not sure which one. Not particularly picky at this point, but those are ones that kind of like, if I can hit two out of those four, I think they'll be a successful year for me. And then, of course, just attending the local events on a more regular basis as a player and uh, should be a lot more fun. Yep, we need to see more Eric around these parts. <laughs> Not as a PO. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Um, spent a lot of time today on uh, some terrain projects for this coming weekend. Hope I get it all done in time. <laughs> so. So, I think at that you, point. Any events yeah. you're looking at? Um, nothing specific. I do know one of the one of these years I'd like to actually make it to LVO, but at this time I think it's... okay there. I'm good. You there? <laughs> I just heard what sounded like someone like inhaling really hard, like the microphone, no. like that. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Then sorry about that. <laughs> Well, according to the vocal thing, it looks like it's coming from Robert. I swear I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, to an extent, I'm just going to make whatever I can try to make. Yeah. I'm going to keep it open. How about you, Robert? Well, I know I may mention of making it to Gen Con this year, so that way I can be boots on the ground for the big reveal party. Um, and if there's an event there, hey, yeah, I'll be at the event. But I think at this point, it's going to be all right. Which U.S. Open event are we hitting, guys? Yeah, for me, kind of the alternative mode of them with you with the U.S. Open events is the I want to see if I can punch my ticket for best in faction. 
and it, it, the rumors are prevailing that Jakari won't be getting their codex till summer of 2025. So I think I have got some chances to be a, any, a big fish in a small pond and take advantage of that and hopefully qualify for whatever the WCW is next year, you know, this time. So didn't get that chance. That was kind of the goal this year. didn't work out, but um, right now my goal is spend some time in the league that we have here locally, get, get my chops back up. So therefore the next big event that rolls around the corner for early 2024, I'm ready to go. Yep. I'm, I am now suffering from my army ADD. I don't know what I want to play next season. What are your choices at this point? Uh, Custodes, Orcs, Knights, Chaos Knights, and then Tyranids. Wow. That is a wide berth of different models. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Just saying, I have enough armies to field half of an eight-man team. And that's the fun part was, for example, I've got this army that's sitting there half painted from the last time I was in a team event because it was basically we we're a similar situation that we are now in the meta. They was like, oh, hey, Eric, we want you on the team, but we don't want your Kari on the team because at that point, index versus codex was just such a wide gap. You know, we'll just hinder the team if you're playing an index army. It's like, yeah, that's cool. So we we're trying to figure out which army and end up being. So I have got this demon army that's like still sitting there and kind of like, I should finally paint this and finish it. But um, that's always been calling me. I did look at my old 5th edition uh, Chaos Army from years gone by. And lo and behold, it's actually a competitive build in 10th edition. I might just bring it out. <laughs> what? I mean, Do seriously, it. it's it's three blocks of five chosen. Um, chaos, you know, chaos character that buffs and... Uh, six obliterators and a bunch of rhinos and then kind of sprinkle in some demons for as action monkeys. I'm like, oh, that looks familiar. <laughs> Almost as if it was planned. Hmm. Almost. Yeah, I think my oldest had a uh, distraction card effects in the form of a demon prince. Swap that out for a forge fiend. I'm back in business for 10th edition. <laughs> but yep, I think that's pretty much where I want to try and go to is I want to hit an actual U.S. Open event. I want to see where I can end up playing whatever army I end up playing. And from there, it's just have a good time this year. Like, don't worry so much about trying to outperform folks and just, nah. I show up events to play 40k. I'm not going to sweat all the all the tiny stuff. Yeah. Ray, you're used to the one affected by army ADD. What, what are you thinking? Um... Well, my big goal was to at least stick with Knights till the end of the year. I've actually been able to do that. Now, it's not necessarily the only thing I've hobbied on, but every time I've played a game, I've actually been able to stick to one army, which is actually kind of a good sign for me. As to what I play into the next year, I'm not sure. I do think I might want to move into something that's a little bit more um, full of bodies, but I've got... About two months to figure that out. So breaking news, Ray is playing guard next year. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm I'm spoiled for choice. Custodes come out towards the start of the year. And then, like, I just... Yeah, I just need to roll a d4 and go, that's what I'm playing. <laughs> that's true, you're getting a codex soon. I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I get to be the big bully for a little bit. Well, that's one thing I hope they keep this trend alive, is that so far we've got two codices that have been released, and there hasn't been a, an appreciable codex creep in terms of where last edition it felt like once once your codex dropped, you, you went from middling to overpowered. But then you had to be overpowered because the next codex was even more powerful. And right now it just seems like you just have a wealth of options, but none of them are particularly over the top yep i'm very much a proponent of i want to make sure i have the most fun playing my army and yeah getting my reps in with custodes has been fun recently 
but I think I'm going to move to a different army so that way I can focus on painting my custodes. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. So with that, love to see you guys work in progress videos. Uh, send them to us via either Facebook or Instagram. Uh, also, Robert's been really good about his in, uh, progress photos on our social media. I've been terrible. <laughs> i got to get my pictures up there. And um, finally get some of the yeah, some of those pictures off, off the camera and onto the web so people can see what they look like. So we'll look at that. And yeah, if you happen to be in the Phoenix area this Sunday, you'll probably run into a few of us at this RTT at Imperial Outpost Games. We'll be there. In the meantime, uh, we will be also tr uh, looking, making our plans. Let us know what events you'll be at. Hopefully we can meet up. So until then, my name's Eric. I'm Raymond. I'm Robert. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Exterminatus Podcast here to talk to you about KR Cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR Cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. You can just swap out those boxes. And no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you, when you order, they come fast. The order is right. And for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com. And when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the necro nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the lovecraft cock so they're from reddukegames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon summon a space bug who knows either way it's going to be a very very wonderful time and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.